Hey, pervs. And of course, you know I mean that in a good way. This is Mistress Harley, as always, here to discuss with you the kinky, sexy issues of the day. And today, I want to address a topic that is one of my favorite kinks, actually, known as a hypnosis or mesmerize kink. But first, as always, let's talk about sex in the news. It's amazing, just since my last podcast last week, OnlyFans canceled porn, and then today they announced that they have uncanceled porn. What heroes, right? If only they had not tried to cancel porn in the first place, they wouldn't have to be sorry. But to me, this all smacks of a publicity stunt. And let me say that I am on OnlyFans. I'm always in the top 10% of earners. And you can find me on OnlyFans.com slash Mistress Harley. So they went from canceling porn to uncanceling porn. And all that did was make a lot of news about OnlyFans. So I think that ultimately this changes nothing. What I said last week about how credit card and payment processors are waging a war against pornography, that's all still true. And when OnlyFans said they were banning porn, they said there was pressure from the credit card companies. And I'm sure there was. I'm sure the credit card companies told them that they have to enforce all kinds of new rules, like making sure performers and anyone appearing in any video or picture has an ID that says they're over the age of 18 and that content is being scanned for any kind of illegal activity. And they thought that's going to cost too much money. Let's just get rid of all the porn people. And then they realized all the porn people actually made a shit ton of money and no one was going to be on OnlyFans to watch grandma's cooking show. So, of course, we're sorry, we're sorry. Come back and give us your money. So, OnlyFans is back in the porno business. They never left. But is it too little too late? I already know a lot of creators who were so mad about the changes that they already deleted their profiles, which might be one of the reasons OnlyFans reversed on this policy so quickly. But have they lost too many people? Will people continue to jump on a platform that they worry might ban them at any moment? I'm used to this kind of shit because this is how the adult industry works, people. Remember when Pornhub used to make money? (laughs) So take it to heart that this industry is always changing, always evolving, and you'll always get your porn somewhere. There are already a slew of new platforms that I am on, including Just For Fans. So if you need to follow your favorite creator, just Google them. You'll find out where where they've gone, because everyone who's successful never stops. Which actually reminds me, I just did an interview about this in a UK online publication called OK, OK.co.uk. 
The article I commented on was called From a Love Island to OnlyFans, the reality stars making a fortune with saucy snaps. And of course, this journalist had all kinds of questions for me, like, why do people get on these sites like OnlyFans? And of course, reality TV stars find themselves with an online following, and of course, they want to cash in on their fame, even if it is short-lived. So many women that are in the public eye or even just on the internet are immediately flooded with requests for nude photos and nude videos and hey baby want to chat. And so if you're a reasonably intelligent person, you recognize that this is a supply and demand economy. People are demanding that you supply this content that they want, which is typically like booby pictures. So why not try to make some income from this supply and demand market. And of course, the media has flooded us with stories of reality stars who make more in a single day than in a whole season on reality TV, whether that's Love Island or 90 Day Fiance or some cop or some nurse. It's always this person left their job and made $10,000 in a single day on OnlyFans, which are propaganda pieces, kids, if you don't recognize that. But this is really like a short term cash rather than a career shift. Like all these women are not going to go be in porn. They just want to get that big payday so they can show their boobs to all the pervs who are desperate to see them, get some money. And yeah, they're probably not going to have a consistent source of income or consistent subscribers because the way of that kind of sensational reality TV, seeing someone's boobs thing only lasts a minute. Once everybody has seen all of the boobs, they really don't tend to upkeep those subscriptions. And, you know, does it hurt some people's relationships? Of course, but I don't think they're thinking about their relationships. I think they're thinking about money. So if you want to read that article, that is on uh, ok.co.uk, my commentary on Love Island. Of course, there's more sex in the news than that. So I read an article today about how some of the top games on Steam right now are adult sex games. That's super exciting because back in the day, the only like sex games that were available were like strip poker, solitaire, and of course the infamous Leisure Suit Larry games, which talk about like a disgusting het male perspective on the world. But there's so many adult games on Steam right now. And yeah, there was some scrutiny around a Holodex Triple X brand that was featuring VR digital copies of adult performers without their consent, and they were banned. But that policy hasn't stopped gamers from wanting sexy video games or developers from making sexy video games. So there are a lot of sex games on Steam right now, including A Night with Natalie, which is not safe for work. And, you know, if you got a good graphics card, I hear it's pretty good. 
escort simulator and you get to entirely go through an early build of an escort simulator an opportunity to look at what this game company is doing with their immersive simulation engine <laughs> it is pc only but will you laugh at it or will you get turned on and the other one is the sexbot Quality Assurance Simulator, which puts you in the role of an erotic android inspector, which I think is hilarious because one of my earliest jobs in the software industry was in quality assurance, QA, and it was in the games industry. But of course, it wasn't in a sex bot stimulator. I was testing games at a little company you might have heard of called The Learning Company. I worked on games like Carmen Sandiego, 321 Smurf, Read a Rabbit Teaches Typing, and none of them sounded as fun as a sex bot game. <laughs> but really, I don't care if it's a sex bot or not, doing a QA, a QA job is not sexy. I want to see you write those bug reports. Yeah, write them. Tell me what operating system they were in. Make sure you include the steps to make those bugs reproducible in engineer. <laughs> and then there is a VR game on Steam called Real Girl VR, where players can play and interact as different female models in different locations. And I think what's exciting about Real Girl VR is it'll let people who have an interest in gender identity and gender expression experiment in a safe way with those ideas. I mean, there's even an achievement in one of the Tony Hawk games just to change your gender from the default male to a female skateboarder. So we've come a long way from it's an achievement to change gender to like, no, you could be 30 different VR sexy girls. And of course, there are queer games on Steam too. Morning Dew Farms is a gay farming game. I am not joking. A gay farming game that is not safe for work and lets you plant your crops and fertilize the soil. And then you get to uh, fuck all the buff men in your neighborhood. So check out those games on Steam. There are so many, certainly more than the ones I've listed here. But just like when Amazon started selling sex toys, it's an important step for human sexuality when we can actually openly have games and experiences and try things and not have them be completely censored. So I hope you guys enjoy some sexy gaming as well as some sexy time. Meanwhile, Having solved all other problems, the Australians want to start regulating sex robots. And not just regulating them, but they want to make it so that your sex robot would not actually resemble a human being. Because they say that sex robots may increase objectification of women, while society increases the objectification of women, and that sex robots can be used to encourage sexual violence. Have you watched a movie? 
there's sexual violence everywhere. Sexual violence actually happens in our culture. And this is just like Houston stopping that sex doll brothel in 2018. This is just like the internet trying to censor and not censor what you can do. They don't want you to have realistic sex robots. Would a sex bot be detrimental to society and make it worse? Or would it be beneficial and provide an outlet for people who have strange desires, who who are straight up unfuckable. Can we acknowledge that some people are just unfuckable? Isn't that what the incels are about? Like, yeah, no one wants to have sex with me. Even if I tried to hire a prostitute, they wouldn't do it. So it's important to allow people to have their sexual fantasies. And if you have a sex robot and you don't have a partner and you want to have a sex life without going to prostitution or trying to do random hookups on Grindr, Tinder, or maybe you have an incredibly tiny penis or you're a premature ejaculator, a sex robot could be a perfect way for you to have a perfect partner. But the Aussies are so worried that sex robots are going to encourage further sexual objectification and violence toward female identifying people. And I think that that's kind of ridiculous. Robots are not people. Robots are tools. All technology is a tool to help you accomplish something. So instead of keeping an abacus of my accounts, I have a spreadsheet. See how technology has improved my ability to do something? What about old people or people with disabilities or people who have mental illness or people who are just alone and unlovable? Let them have relationships with non-human entities. Even Star Trek talks about the hologram wars when holograms all realize that they are sentient beings and that they're basically robot slaves to their bionic masters and have a rebellion. But we are not at the point of robot autonomy yet. We are not at the point where the robots are sentient and need to consent to all the gross things you want to do to a robot. So please, this is my call to action for you. If you want to do something gross to a human being, please do the gross thing to a robot instead. My last sex in the news item I want to talk about today is it's adult award season, which is about as exciting as any other self-congratulatory media blitz for any other industry. So award season for porn is coming up and soon you will all be flooded with who wore what and who won best porn actress and pictures of hot girls holding trophies and shit. And while I enjoy that people like to do what they like to do, I see these awards awards benefits as just another way that big companies cash in on the popularity and hard work of adult performers. So if you see somebody holding a trophy at the Why Not Cam Awards, they probably had to pay to be there. They probably had to get a plane ticket, pay for hotel, get a bunch of outfits, get their hair and makeup did, all so that they can go do a media PR stunt for what is essentially a huge company profiting off of them. 
I don't do awards shows. I've been invited to them, but I don't do them because my response is always, well, my time is very valuable. And for me to travel to your event, appear at your event and stay at your event, I would have to be compensated for that. And the big trick with award shows, especially as they relate to the adult industry, the trick is that people think that it's this privilege. Oh my God, I got an award for that time I fucked that guy. But it's not a privilege. It is free advertising and free work for these huge platforms. And if those platforms just spent as much money advertising those stars instead of creating a fake competitive environment where the BBW girls are somehow also in competition with people in other niche fetishes, you know, it would create an environment that was more helpful to the performers than to the companies. So I don't shill for nobody. If you see my face next to a brand, it's because I was paid to do that. And even my appearances at the ACT Lab in Texas, I have an appearance fee. So I was paid to be there, even though I got to speak and teach everybody about high-tech sex, which was very exciting. But my point being ladies. If you're not giving away your nudes for free, if you're not sucking guys dicks for free, don't go to some award show and accept some $10 trophy for free because you should be compensated for all of your time. Letting Why Not or any of these other mega adult brands profit off of pictures of you in your skimpliest clad outfit in your scanty lingerie, who does that help? maybe you a little bit, but really it helps them. So I'm not into that. I only do things for myself, money for myself. And if the industry was geared a little bit more toward money instead of validation, then it would probably make more money for everyone. Sometimes when I watch like heteronormative straight porn and I see a girl taking a dick for money that I know she doesn't want to. She just wants the money. I imagine her saying, validate me, daddy, validate me, daddy, pay me, daddy. <laughs> when in reality, she's the one that should be getting treated like a queen. She's the one who should be treated like a princess for even being willing to do these things for your entertainment and for her own benefit. So I want to see performers benefit more, which you'll notice is why I have direct payments on my website where you can just pay me directly, mistressharley.com slash pay me. You can put in your Visa credit card information and just pay me because all these middlemen in the form of clip sites and platforms, they can shut you out just like we saw with OnlyFans. They can turn around and say your content is banned in addition to the 20 to 40% these various sites take of your money. So yeah, I'm on clip sites, but I consider that paid advertising. You are paying to watch advertising so that you can come and pay me. <laughs> but that's it for sex in the news. Of course, I can always get off on a good tangent. But today, my topic is a all-consuming and fast-growing fetish known as hypnosis, mesmerize, or hypno-kink. 
first I will explain what this fetish is, and then I will explain the issues surrounding this fetish and why it is becoming harder and harder to find online. But first, because money, a word from my sponsor. So now I get to talk to you about the exciting kink that is hypnosis. And hypnosis is the idea that through mental reprogramming, you can embed a thought, a form of action, or an idea in someone's head and make them act upon that action. Sometimes this hypnosis is subliminal, meaning a person doesn't even know that it's happening while it's happening. Other times it's overt and they can forget that it happened, but ultimately the damage is done, so to speak. And of course, hypnosis is not new to anyone. I'm sure you've all seen commercials for, I can hypnotize you into quitting smoking. Or maybe you saw a Vegas show where someone was hypnotized into barking like a dog. But the idea of hypnosis is quite familiar and one that stems back all the way to the Greek times, the idea that you can mesmerize someone into doing actions that they wouldn't necessarily would do otherwise. It puts you in a trance-like state where there's heightened focus and concentration specifically on what the hypnotist is trying to focus you on. Verbal repetition, mental images, and Pavlovian-style training can all contribute to making hypnosis work on someone. When someone is hypnotized, they're generally relaxed and more open to suggestions. And using this method, your hypnotist can gain control over certain behaviors or desires to help you cope better with anxiety or pain. And since you're more open to suggestion during hypnosis, it's easier to integrate those ideas into your life after you're no longer in hypnosis. So some things hypnosis is used for is like pain control, behavioral changes like bedwetting, smoking, overeating, mental health conditions like anxieties and phobias. But what is hypnosis as a kink? Well, this idea of being controlled by an external party is a fundamental of BDSM and power exchange. So when you look at a lot of BDSM kinks, it's always fundamentally power exchange. Sometimes the power exchange is physical. You're tied up and I'm not. Sometimes the power exchange is mental. You're hypnotized and I'm the one hypnotizing you. Sometimes the power exchange is financial. You live on a budget that I allow you to have. Ultimately, power exchange is at the core of all of these BDSM fetishes, and hypnosis is no different. When I do hypnosis with my subs, I'm always hypnotizing them to do the things I want them to do, and I think of it very much as Pavlovian training. 
For those of you who are not familiar with Pavlov or Pavlov's dog, let me briefly explain. Pavlov was a guy who trained his dog to respond to the sound of a bell. Every time Pavlov would feed the dog, he would ring the bell before he fed the dog. It's kind of like saying, dinner time. So the dog eventually connected the stimulus of the bell with knowing that food was coming. And Pavlov in his experiments noted that all he had to do was ring the dinner bell and the dog would start salivating even when there was no food. And this is a fundamental idea behind hypnosis. This kind of mental repetitive training connecting one stimulus with another is how you train someone to do anything. So when I hypnotize my slaves, I usually encourage them to consume my content, to look at my pictures, to masturbate obsessively, to lose weight, to work harder for me, to do what I want them to do. Because for them, being a good boy or a good pet for me is a thing that feels better than not. The stimulation that they get from being good and doing what they're told is powerful and desirable and they begin to crave it. But hypnosis, like so many of the other fetishes I've talked about, is already being heavily censored on the internet. On some websites, you cannot use the word hypnosis. You can only use the word mesmerize. And on other sites, both hypnosis and mesmerize are banned. Some sites will let you use the word trance. Others will not. Some sites will let you use induce, like to induce a trance. Others will not. The issue here, as ever, is the payment processors. They want to ban anything that could even have an implication of non-consensual behavior, which I think is wild considering every movie, every TV show has an implication of non-consensual behavior. In the TV show 24, Keith or Sutherland is constantly tying up guys and hitting them in the face. That is definitely non-consensual. But Visa MasterCard doesn't have a problem with it being portrayed in fiction that you understand is fiction. But because porn blurs the lines of reality and fantasy, just like pro wrestling, you have to always adapt to these changing requirements from the credit card companies. So if this is a fetish you're interested in, you love, or you're looking for, you have to try more than one search term to even be able to find it. But why do guys like being hypnotized? Because they don't have to think. I think so many people suffer from anxiety because of all the things we have to do in our modern world. You wake up, you check your text, you check your email, you drink your coffee, you have to eat food, you have to do a job, you probably have to do your laundry. You're always thinking about all this stuff you have to do all the time. And there's something very meditative and soothing about being put into a trance-like state from hypnosis. Hypnosis, like meditation, 
forces you to turn off your other thought processes. It forces you to stop thinking about your laundry and your dog and the dishes in your sink, and it makes you hone in on just one thing. And if you're trying to quit smoking, the one thing is quitting smoking. And if you're turned on by being controlled by a third party, then the thing you're usually honing in on is how arousing it is to be in this situation. So ultimately, a lot of people are into this kink, but again, a heavily censored one. But as I always say, censorship won't make the kink go away. It will just make all of us use slightly different words to describe it so that we can continue to do it. So for all of you who are into hypno kink, hypnosis, mesmerize, trance, you know that there are so many places you can find that, including mistressharley.com. Even talking about this kink around hypnosis, mesmerize, etc., reminds me of this thing I keep coming back to, which is the idea of non-consent fetishes or force fetishes. These are also words you cannot use on most porn sites. So, so many people are into the idea of not consenting, of being forced to do something, of being forced to do something gay because you're not gay if someone makes you do it. You're not a slut if someone makes you have sex with somebody. And even though in the vanilla world, force is, of course, a bad thing. No one wants to be forced into labor that they don't want to do. No one wants to be forced into sex that they don't want to do. But in our culture, the idea of force actually is one that removes responsibility from you, the person engaging in this activity. And even though they're not particularly kinky, they're not labeled as porn or kinky, if you've ever read a romance novel with a pirate on the cover, romance novels are written largely for women and are almost always full of this non-consent fetishism, or as in the kink community, we call it rape play. We call it rape play to indicate it's not actually rape. You're just playing with this idea of it. And some people might find that really offensive. How could you ever pretend to do something that's so terribly hurtful to real people in real places, but you're not actually hurting anyone by role-playing these scenarios with someone that you trust? If you're fantasy is that you walk in the door and someone is there in a mask and they bend you over and ravish you. And even though you didn't want this and you hate it, you have a big steamy orgasm, then it's not your fault. It's really play as long as that person in the mask ravishing you is someone you know and you consented to having this happen. Maybe you even talked about it the night before. Hey, honey, when I come home, I would love it if when I opened the door, you were there in like a burglar mask and pretended to be a burglar. Ultimately, we all understand this idea of role-playing. Role-playing is something exciting people do in the bedroom. Role-playing is something we see when we 
consume all forms of media, commercials, television, movies. I know that Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't actually own slaves as it appears in Django Unchained. He is in a movie role playing as a slave owner. And this is the same with sex. People who engage in non-consent fetishes are not rapists or victims. They are people that want to role play these situations, these fantasies, because in the context of the fantasy and the situation, there's something happening that's arousing. There's something happening that they want. They don't have to be responsible for their actions in a traditional manner where they have to think through everything they say and everything they do and make it clear they want this, not that. It's so much easier, if this is something you're into, to talk it over with a partner, set up a situation, and then make it happen. And of course, as I've talked about many times before, Responsible BDSM is about talking things through, establishing limits, establishing desires. So if you tell your partner you want to role play a home invasion fantasy where they're a burglar and you're the girl coming home from work, it's important that you make it clear, like, please don't use a gun if you don't want them to use a gun. Please don't pull my hair if you don't want them to pull your hair. A lot of girls are very sensitive about their hair and don't like having it touched, especially if they just had their hair did. So yeah, talk it through in a non-sexy moment and then set it up for later when it might be sexy and feel spontaneous, but everyone has been responsible in establishing what they really want to happen. This is also known in BDSM as consensual non-consent, C-N-C, consensual non-consent. You are consenting to role-playing a non-consensual situation. And sometimes that can last for years if you're into that kind of dynamic. But it's important to have a safe word. You know, say banana if you don't actually want this to happen right now. If your partner goes through all the trouble to put on the burglar mask and get a machete and wait for you to come home and attack you when you walk in the door and you're just not feeling it that day, maybe you're on your period or you're having a terrible day, say banana and then they'll know, okay, that's a safe word. Today is not the day. We'll try this again some other time. But people who have fun role-playing, whether it's sexual role-playing or non-sexual role-playing, it's important to establish what you want to do and what you absolutely do not want to do. I read an interview with Leonardo DiCaprio after he did Django Unchained, where he talked about Spike Lee having to sit down and convince him to say the N-word. Because as a nice boy, Leonardo DiCaprio said he had never said the N-word word and felt really uncomfortable saying it, even in the context of role-playing a white slave owner in the past who owned slaves and was a mean bad man. And so Spike Lee had to sit down with him and tell him, look, this is a movie. We are playing these roles in a time period piece. It's in the script, 
please, we need you to say this to make this movie more realistic and have the impact that we want it to have. And I've talked about the race play fetish before, but I've had very similar conversations with people of color, usually black men, who ask me in a BDSM humiliation session, mistress, please call me the N-word. And I've had to talk that through with them. Okay, is this for humiliation because you want that kind of humiliation? Is this because you feel that the systematic oppression is something you need as part of your sex life? And they always say, look, I don't know why. It's just like for this power exchange to feel real to me, that makes it feel real. Do I use those words unless somebody has specifically asked me to do so in a role play context? No, that's not part of my casual speech. However, I recognize that when we are role playing, that using certain words or doing certain actions might make it more real, more intense, more satisfying to the other person. And that's the ultimate idea behind non-consent fetishes. To the vanilla world, yeah, it looks bad. Visa MasterCard doesn't like it. And then just like that story I talked about out of Australia, all these academics have an idea that this perpetuates violence towards women. But this is actually a case of life reflecting art, reflecting life, reflecting art. We wouldn't want to incorporate these non-consent fetishes into our sex lives if these ideas didn't resonate with us because we live in a culture where these kinds of things happen to people. And yeah, some of it is integrated, systematic, internalized oppression. But if you're dealing with it and you found a way to make it something that's sexy for you instead of something that's painful for you, who is someone to say that's wrong? The most pushback I always see about these kinds of fetishes, non-consent fetishes, is from people who just wouldn't want it to happen to them. Well, I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. Okay, but people are different, and someone does want that to happen to them, not in an uncontrolled context, but just like jumping out of an airplane. Most people do not want to jump out of an airplane in an uncontrolled context, meaning no shoot, no plan, no training. Most people don't want to be pushed out of a fucking plane. But there is a lucrative business and a group of people who will pay for the privilege of jumping out of an airplane with a parachute and a plan, knowing that they are going to survive this experience most likely. And so I think about a lot of these kinks that are on this line, this borderline where people don't understand why you would do it as jumping out of an airplane. Personally, I would not jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I would not pay for the privilege of jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. But I understand that there are people that do that, and I don't feel like I need to run out there and stop them from jumping out of airplanes with parachutes. I don't understand why we can't just let people do what they want with consensual adults as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. So if you want to go skydiving, go do that. I don't want to. And when we think of sexuality, we should think of it that way, too. Hey, if you want to be hypnotized into like barking like a dog and dressing up like a girl, right on. I don't want to do that. 
is what people should say. Or, whoa, you're a black guy that wants to be called the N-word during sex? Okay, I wouldn't like that, but, you know, do you? That should be the attitude that we have when it comes to these fetishes that are so blurry and so socially unacceptable, but are real fetishes that a lot of people have. If you look at the romance novel industry, which has a lot of rape in it and violence towards women, like a lot of rape. And you know what's the craziest part? In these books, the women always fall in love with their rapist. They all end with them like getting married to the pirate that ravished them, raped them, and having 10 babies. And so this idea of getting raped and falling in love is perfectly acceptable in the world of Nora Roberts or all your other romance writers, but not in porn? Okay, okay, all right, I don't get it, but whatever. I will forever be your valley girl sounding, but voice of reason with a master's degree on these issues. And just in case I haven't said it enough, yes, I have a master's degree. So I'm not speaking from a place of ignorance. I'm actually speaking from a place of informed and educated research. So that is the lowdown on hypno kink, non-consent, and even a little touch of race play. I'll talk about race play more because it is such a controversial topic, but I think that's going to have to get its own podcast. But now, let's invite all the pervs to come out and play with an all-new segment of Listener Mail. As a reminder, you too can ask me anything or leave a comment at mistressharley.com slash podcast. Click the message button and allow access to your microphone so you can record a message and maybe you'll end up having your message or question responded to here on my podcast. Our first message today is from Sissy Chrissy. Hello, Mistress Harley. Do you have an opinion on public exposure for sissies and do you have a favorite task for them? Thank you. I love public humiliation of all varieties, whether it's sissification or ball busting. It doesn't matter. It just amuses me to see boys humiliated. And remember, what's humiliating for one person may not be humiliating for another person. I remember trying to humiliate a boy by dressing him up and putting makeup on him. And then I saw the look on his face. He was so happy. And that person ended up transitioning and being a trans woman. So what was humiliating for like a cis boy was actually empowering and gender affirming for a trans girl. So that said, if you find it humiliating to be sissified, and that means feminized to all of you listeners, being forced to wear a dress and high heels and stockings and makeup and a wig and walking around, then I love that. It's that burning look of humiliation on someone's face that makes me laugh. I guess I'm a sexual sadist. I just like watching people suffer. And so I do enjoy watching people suffer and especially 
in public. But my favorite sissy public humiliation task is to make a sissy get all dressed up in their finest clothes, stockings, shoes, bra, panties, etc., and make them go shopping for more. My favorite store to send these little sissies to is a Ross or a TJ Maxx, one of those bargain stores where you can get a lot of stuff for really cheap, and that's typically frequented by older people. Senior citizens and grandmas love buying $5 shirts at Ross. And so who else would be more scandalized to see a little sissy walking around and trying on bras but all of the grandmas at the bargain basement stores or thrift stores work too. I only shop at Nordstrom's or better. So uh, that's not a place I frequent unless I'm watching someone do a public humiliation task for me. But in the world of public humiliation, there are a lot of things you can do that are safe for work, meaning you're not exposing your genitals to someone or engaging in non-consensual activity. You're just looking how you want to look, presenting how you want to present. And there's nothing anyone can do to stop you from doing that. I also like making my slaves chauffeur me around in the car wearing pig ears and a pig nose. It really illustrates to anyone that might look over what the position of the person driving is and what my position as the person being chauffeured is. But there are so many ways to do public humiliation. And really, a nice swift kick to the balls in front of a supermarket. That is the best. But my favorite kind of public humiliation has got to be a cash point meet. This is a term used in financial domination. A cash point meet is where someone meets you at a cash point, like an ATM, and they either withdraw a bunch of money from the ATM and give it to you, or they give you their card and give you their PIN number, and you just withdraw as much money as you want until the ATM stops giving you money. And really, What's more humiliating than a hot girl taking money right out of your bank account and then leaving? No, you don't get anything in return for this. What you get is the privilege of meeting me and giving me your money. Some guys find this to be super humiliating. Other guys find it to be fulfilling and part of the most exciting activity they can participate in. Ultimately, I don't really care what they're getting out of it because I'm getting out of it what turns me on, which is big, fat wads of cash just for showing up. And what can I say? I'm a cash sexual. Money turns me on. And if you think that's weird, you should look at all of the women that marry rich, ugly guys. Money obviously turns them on too. It's a tale as old as time. Women like money. I'm just honest enough to be open about what turns me on and what I really want out of men. So, at least it's always consensual. If I'm humiliating someone, it's because they asked me to and paid me to. And for me, that cash in my pocket is what 
I like the most. It's what turns me on. When I buy real estate in cash, I get a rush. I love beating out all the other bidders on a huge property just because I can pay in cash and they can't. Being rich turns me on. How do I sleep? Like a baby on a $10,000 mattress. So public humiliation, yes. Financial domination, public humiliation, yes, yes, yes. Yo, Mistress Harley, what's with Exodus Cry? Like, they want to quit porn or stop porn or do something with porn, and then they show up on everything. They're on all the stuff, and then I don't, like, they want people to quit porn and get a different job, or it's a jobs program, or I don't know what they're doing, but they definitely want people to do something other than porn. Is that, I mean, are you afraid of them? Do you know them? Are they even a, are they even a real threat to you? Like, what is Exodus Cry? So I've talked about Exodus Cry before. They're this super right-wing Christian fundamentalist organization whose stated goal is to stop all pornography. Not just pornography, but sex work too. But they're the ones that have been behind Visa MasterCard getting off of Pornhub. They're the ones pressuring banks to stop supplying payment processing to websites that host pornography. And they do this all in the sneaky bullshit way of saying it's to stop horrible illegal shit. And by that, I mean like child porn and sex trafficking and all the stuff that we all agree is bad. But that's just the mask. They use those illegal activities to try to get rid of fully legal pornography. And so since porn is legal in the United States and many other countries around the world, Exodus Cry is lobbying the banks to try to stop processing payments for porn. And that's why you can only use Bitcoin or other forms of crypto on Pornhub or a lot of other porn sites. It's starting to happen. So push back against these right-wing fundamentalists who want to get rid of your porn. The internet is for porn. And it has been shown over and over again that access to pornography actually reduces the amount of sex crimes and sexual assaults in society. So it's as if when frustrated sexual rejects are able to use pornography to get all of their sexual desires met, they don't go around and do horrible stuff as often. So... That's the story on Exodus Cry and why you're starting to see Pornhub, OnlyFans, and all these sites kind of deal with this thing where they're getting pressured from the banks because the banks are getting pressured from the Christians and right-wing Christian fundamentalists who want to get rid of porn are still jerking off in their basements on Pornhub right now. So that wraps up today's episode of Sexuality and Fetish. If you have questions or you want to listen to old episodes, you can go to mistressharley.com forward slash podcast. Use the message button to send me a message, listen to old episodes, or click around my website and find out all the things that I do. You can find videos on techdom.com. I-N-F-O, techdom.info. You can find me on Twitter at techdom. 
I'm on Instagram, Tech Dom, Mistress Harley. TikTok, Mistress Harley, Tech Dom. Basically, you can Google me. I'm on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. I am literally fucking everywhere. And I had a bunch of interviews go out this week for Vice and Motherboard and OK. So you can find me. Just Google me. And as always, all my links are on MistressHarley.com.